Do you like beer? Do you like podcasts? Do you like beer podcasts? Then check out Cracking One Open, a podcast about brews, news, and pop culture reviews. Every week, we crack open a new craft beer from breweries around the country. And sometimes the world. We'll talk about how it was made, what's in it, the history of the brew, and the brewery. Then we'll give our tasting notes, and while we're finishing up, we'll talk about some of the latest goings-on in the world of pop culture. So check out Crackin' One Open with Mike and Elise, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hey, it's Andrew Morgan, host of the NOMCAST, the Netflix original movie podcast. Each week, we review the biggest Netflix original movies with special guests from the film industry, the music industry, comedians, and of course, our fellow podcasters. Check us out on the web at nomcastpod.com. Follow us on the socials at nomcastpod. And most importantly, listen and subscribe to us wherever you get podcasts. Hit that beat one time. Hi, I'm Mike Field. And I'm Pat Whalen. Pat is a lifelong comic book geek. And Mike is a filmmaker and storyteller. So naturally, a bulk of our conversations surround the world of the Marvel movies. Some consider the MCU one of the greatest achievements in modern day filmmaking. And others just think they're comic book movies. Each episode, we'll tackle one film and discuss the differences between the comic book and what's on screen. We'll explore the growth of the Marvel Cinematic Universe from its inception to present day and beyond and have a little fun along the way. You may not have asked for it. You certainly don't need it. But you'll be happy we're here. We think. This is yet another MCU podcast. Hey, Pat. So we're back, and you know I love... The I love this character and I love these movies. We're going to be talking about some Thor Ragnarok today. It's time to rock Ragnarok and roll. Oh, you've been waiting to say that for yeah, a while. Happened. Now, now we can move on to <laughs> piling on this movie. Ooh, spoiler alert. All right. So real quick, uh, as you know, we like to do. Thor is rated PG-13, has a runtime of 130 minutes, production budget of $180 million. It came out on November 3rd, 2017. Opening weekend, it did $122 million. Domestic 315, worldwide 853. You have a new director here, Taika Waititi, who is uh, is his first time, but then he's going to come back for, I guess he's doing Thor Love and Thunder. They start that? Uh, yeah. Well, I think they're down in pre-production right now. Okay. Uh, we just saw the news that Chris Pratt had joined the, the, the cast, which makes sense because- Well, I heard they're all in it. Yeah. The yeah. last we saw him in the end of Endgame, they were all- blasting off into space what i read that they're all in it and that rocket and groot have a big part in this movie good i'd like so. to see that the street writers eric pearson craig kyle and christopher yost uh pearson has is doing the black widow which is coming up at some point in our lifetime uh, he also was a script doctor in the last two avengers movies craig kyle has done the iron man animated tv series and he's part of the creative committee for marvel movies which is the first time i've heard that but it makes absolute sense yeah so at some point they put together basically an in-house staff to start working on these things, you know, brainstorming, pulling out ideas, right. you know, putting things together. Right. No, getting, uh, things, getting things in motion it makes sense. to tie in. I know that with Pixar movies, they usually have like yeah. you, you present a script and then everybody gets in the room and mm -hmm. kind of, you know, okay, listen, what's, what's this, what are we going to do here? Yeah. Well, I like that the fact that the difference being with Pixar is they, they work on the script until it's perfect. Oh, of course. That's why Pixar, that's why I'm always a huge Pixar guy. Anyways. And then Christopher Yost also had done Thor Dark World. Then you got a bunch of people who have done no Marvel movies. <laughs> you have Mark Mothersbaugh or Mothersbrew. I don't that's know. A good how to, name. Yeah, I don't know how to say it. I apologize, sir. Uh, he has done the music. And then Javier, I'm going to butcher this, uh, Aguirre Sorobi. I apologize. Anyways, they have not. This is their first movie. I'm assuming that Watiti brought them in. What does Javier do? Cinematography. Oh, cinematography. I apologize not say that. That is my bad. And we all know who produces it, so moving on. So we have the usual suspects in here. You have Chris Hemsworth as Thor. You actually have Mark Ruffalo as Hulk. The mm -hmm. first time that Hulk was voiced by someone other than Lou Ferrigno. And it, it's noticeable. Well, he's actually saying words. Yeah. He's talking. Well, yeah, that too. <laughs> he's having, he's having full-on dialogue. <laughs> yes. But you have some new people to the fold. Our baddie, Hella, played by Kate Blanchett. Grandmaster is Jeff Goldblum. Valkyrie is Tessa Thompson. Scourge is Carl Urban. And then I have Surtur. Is that his name? Surtur. Surtur is, is actually Clancy Brown. Yeah. For those who don't know. Some of these people do not move on because <laughs> they die. So anyways. Yeah. All right. Pat. I know you don't like this movie. You don't like this movie either. But I don't like a lot of movies. This is true. 
there's there's parts of this there's parts in this movie that I enjoy. I like the music. I like the opening yep. when he fights them, and and that's and Thor is more comedic in this movie, which is always his better attribute in the Avengers movies. And just kind of like his yeah. wit, you know. I don't. I can't really. I struggle <laughs> to find something else. I mean, the Hulk fight is good, but the stuff with Hulk, while the dialogue is funny, it's just, eh. I, I don't know. I, it's it's a lot of. Go ahead, because I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna hit on the stuff that I thought was good first, and then we could go on. Uh, first of all, though, I think we're gonna lose a lot of our audience here. I think a lot of people like this movie probably because it was different from what we had gotten in the Thor universe before. Yeah, and it was a lot funnier, but that doesn't mean it was good. But I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, the first piece. This is probably maybe up there with the the Avengers movie, the first Avengers movie, the closest to a comic book feel. That we're going to get. Okay. The colors. There's uh, scenes that are ripped straight from the panels in, in the source material, which we'll talk about. But it feels like a comic book. It's not a superhero movie. It's a comic book movie. Okay. And I, I think I think that helps it, for one. Um, number two, you talked about the music. Uh, the music is pretty good. I think it, it, you know, it helps define the tone. We're talking about the popular songs we're not talking about the the score but the score and and one of our our listeners did did message me on the side and say hey you know this is one of those moments where they pull from some of the scores from thor movies past Mm -hmm. and they were able to build more of a cohesive sound towards this film as as an evolution towards the characters which was a nice piece and that's a nice pickup because sometimes when you're bringing in new composers they tend to just do their own thing but I think that was a nice way to kind of tie everything together. But, but see, I struggle with figuring out where that is because the music that I remember is obviously the the, the two songs, one at the end, one at the beginning. Mm-hmm. The 70s glam band song, the, they kind of have it when he's escaping. Yep. And then at the end of the credits. But then I don't I struggle to figure out where where, where I'm looking for this theme. I think there's some moments where you get the Thor like that coronation sound the the theme to it so it dials back to um thor one where he's walking down the hallway and if i'm trying to remember exactly where it is but there are moments where he's getting ready for the fight uh getting ready to lead the rebellion there's there's some moments i think early on too where it's got some odin callbacks right where you go when you go see odin in that norwegian cliffside (laughs) right yeah and so i think which is clearly we only have anthony hopkins for one day oh yeah yeah, well, uh, two days. <laughs> two days. Because you have uh, Loki as him when they're in Asgard. True. This is so, true. This so is true. Have, you got him for, for two days. <laughs> Filmed another movie in between those two scenes. <laughs> so um, what else? What else did you like? That's it? Nice. I think the fight. I think the fights are pretty good, especially the one between Thor and Hulk. Yep. I find that enjoyable. What I didn't like, and I'm kind of stretching now into the didn't like territories, I wish they hid Hulk as much as possible in the marketing. Because by the time you get to that scene where he says, oh, it's a friend from work. Everyone knows. Everyone knows it's coming. The story's already come out that that was a little Make-A-Wish kid on set that so, said, yeah. you know, you should say it's a friend from work. And so Chris Hemsworth comes up and says it. And that, like, that's the feel-good moment. I think if you held on to the Thor reveal or the Hulk reveal until after right. the movie came out, things would have been much. That might have been tough to do. It would have been really tough to do because he's in a lot of this movie. Yeah. Yeah, I would have preferred to, but they they hid a lot of the the smart Hulk stuff, the Banner Hulk stuff from Endgame in the marketing. They digitally edited him out. Why? Because because they didn't want to reveal that he had like come to terms with his Hulk side. Oh, okay. So they knew he was in it, and they also edited a lot of Fat Thor out too. So they they hid some of these moments that were going to be so key. So they could digitally remove some of this stuff and do a fake trailer, right? Do you think that Thor is going to be uh, overweight in Thor God and Thunder? I don't think he's going to be as fit. I don't think he's going to be overweight, though. I think it's going to be a, to a point where Chris Hemsworth doesn't have to work out extra. <laughs> so like Chris Hemsworth has this center app, which we're not sponsored by. Uh, if you want to, we will be. We're available for sponsorship. <laughs> but it's a workout app where he like, you know, gives out his workouts that he does. It's. Well, this is why we're not getting the sponsorship. It's stupid expensive. Of course. It don't is. get it. Just go look up exercises. Well, there went that sponsorship (laughs) out the window. 
<laughs> but I think he's so he's in shape. I just don't think he because that he wore like a 70 pound fat suit. Well, yeah, like, that can't be you, fun. You probably have to be in shape just to wear that suit. Right. So why not just, you know, do your normal like show us your normal, yeah. normal body, not your, you know, the extra marble. Your, your, you your DiCaprio body. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa, I, I respect that. DiCaprio <laughs> don't care. I love it. I love it. Good, good for you, Leo. We're and, talking way too much about these guys' bodies. <laughs> I'm comfortable in my own sexuality, Pat, where I can talk about, you know, you're looking very, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so <laughs> um, let's I get think, to what we don't like. Yeah, I think that was, that was it. That's all I got. All right. Well, my biggest, my biggest kind of complaint or negative about this movie, and it has to do with not just, oh, it's a nitpicky thing. It's, it's more about story is your villain in this movie is Hella, and she <laughs> Absolutely feels like a supporting character. In this. Like you, you never see her. I see more Jeff Goldblum as Grandmaster than I do about Hella. And yeah. so I'm not af- I'm not afraid of like I'm supposed to be. I'm not concerned about her doing whatever she does. I don't care about her backstory. You know, they do the thing where she rips down the facade of the dome that they're in and shows the real way that Odin became mm-hmm. in power and he tried to hide it, which makes me laugh why didn't you just repaint it why did you put just more cinder blocks over it but whatever (laughs) that's fine it's for the movie i have no feeling whatsoever because she's barely in the movie yeah what gives this is a thor movie not thor and hulk are on i know you're gonna tell me it's planet hulk but no 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 i'm i'm in complete agreement with you is yeah they they shoehorn the planet hulk storyline in there the the gladiator storyline in there and i don't really know why maybe they just felt that they couldn't do a compelling story with Hella, I, I have no idea because it opens up. You have I don't know how many how many villains do you have in this? You got Surter in the beginning. Yep. You have a sort of Scourge, who's your kind of sidekick villain. Yeah. You know, and then you got Hella who shows up. She's got these two badass moments where she with three, I guess, where she breaks the hammer. Yep. She kills all of the Asgardian army. Yep. And then slices Thor's eye out. Kills all of them a la Matrix style with her moves. Yeah. And, and yeah. And the pointy stuff coming out of everywhere. Slices Thor's eye off real easy. And he's still capable of moving and doing everything. No blood. No nothing. Just kind of like. Um, no, I agree. I think they spend way. They don't spend enough time with her. They spend more time on Sakaar, which they don't even spend that much time on Sakaar. They, they fight once. Then Thor breaks out of the apartment. Right. And then that propels that story into the revolution and everything. So there's yeah. just too many moving pieces in this one. There's a lot of, I think why a lot of people really like this movie or they say, oh, this movie's good for a couple of reasons. One, it's the best of the Thors. I'll say that. It's better of the, it's, it's got more action going on and more style in this movie than the first two. I'll agree with that. I think it's got a tighter story in Thor 1. I can agree that it's, one and three are up there. Two is let's, let's just, <laughs> we're not talking about. Let's two. put Dark World in the closet and never this see it again. This is like the let's Indiana Jones trilogy. Uh, don't start. Don't start with me about the Indiana Jones trilogy because I will. We will end this podcast <laughs> about Thor, and all I will do is talk about Crystal Skull. <laughs> but I understand what you're saying, uh, and it's in the correct order for all those who don't understand out there. It's one, three, two, four. Okay, <laughs> it's not three, one, two, four like you like to tell me. <laughs> I'm just used to saying if we have an analogy to Thor, it's one, three, two, four. Okay, that's fine. Anyways. <laughs> oh, so I mentioned the style in this movie and like there's a lot of style in this movie in terms of what I like the comedy and, and mm-hmm. how it looks and, and just kind of the overall like funness of the movie, yes. which is not a word I know. Compare the other two movies and compare it to a lot of the other stuff in the MCU up to this point. Yeah. But that is all there is in this movie. There is no substance. No. It's all style. And I think a lot of people like it because it's it's got great music. Oh, the action's great. But when you sit there, if you watch this again and again and again, like you should with all great movies, you slowly start to realize that what is actually happening here? Nothing. <laughs> well, I think you sent me an article back when this came out, when we were, you know, back in 2017. And I, I think I, I remember talking about him like, I just don't like this movie. Yeah. Like it, I didn't think it was any good. I, I There was too much comedy to it. And like you said, there was no substance. And I forget where the article came from. I don't know if we'll be able to dig it up at this point. But people and audiences react more to films that they can laugh at. Sure. Because that's more memorable to them. So to me, this is more, and, and I'll even say, you know, this is more like a, a, a 
a Wedding Crashers type comedy, but Wedding Crashers has more well, substance. To wedding it. Crashers is good though. Wedding yeah, Crashers yeah. has substance. The, 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 I always talk about with comedies, you know, Wedding Crashers. Like when you see a movie like Wedding Crashers, and it's it's oh, it's funny, but it's actually a really good movie right. because you, they have to make you root for the the heroes, the the, the and they're jerks to start. They are, but you have to earn. You have to make the audience not only make them laugh, but also make them like them that want them to get the girls. Like, yeah. like you know that they're going to get the girl in the end. But you, you know, like that's inevitable in all the romantic comedy. They have to earn it for you to be like, yes, get her. In this, there's no deserving moment. No. There's no substance to it. All it is is just joke after joke. And I think a lot of those jokes, when they try to have those substantive moments to it, like Thor just mentioned, you know, Thor's having the conversation with Valkyrie and Hulk. And this is the scene that gets me all the time. And I point to it as the, the reason I really dislike this movie is Thor is having this, you know, he's like, oh, my best friend just got killed. My father just died. You know, uh, my my dead sister just showed up, you know, and then he has this emotional moment where he's really contemplating all the things that he just lost in his life. And then he gets hit in the head with a dodgeball. Right. Because he throws it. He throws the ball to get out. Yeah. And and it it hits him in the head because he's about to say that's what heroes do, which is a nice line. But it's completely lost because you went for the joke. Right. And listen, that's it's, a that's a choice. And it's fine to go for the joke once or twice, but they went for the joke every single turn that they could in this movie. Right. There was no moment where, you know, they, yes, they gave us the joke because it was un- unexpected and it is, you know, that's what heroes do. And then he realizes, well, you know, this is going to be a different type of adventure. That's fine. Yeah. But then they do it again and they do it again and they do it again and again and again. Yeah. And there's no redeeming moment where it finally clicks for everybody. At some point, you have to have some kind of emotion where they did. And they do do it with Loki and Thor. Yes. They, they give they give that what it needs, their relationship, the whole thing in the elevator when they're going up before and they undercut it again. Like, let's do send help. That kind right. of that thing. They do that again. But the way that they play in Hemsworth and, and uh, Tom Hiddleston have great chemistry. Well, and they the, always but, have. But also. To that point, they've had countless movies where they have built this. Yes. So you're watching those scenes and you have all the other scenes in mm-hmm. your mind about how the relationship. So let's get to Valkyrie. And <laughs> which I texted Pat when I was watching this again. And I said, I don't like her character in this movie. I, I, don't, I just I don't because she's something horrific happened to her. She lost all her friends and she probably it, it, they made it seem like she lost somebody she really loved. When the person so, sacrificed her, we'll get to that. That's tell what your, that's what I got. Tell your thing, and then I'm going to tell. Uh, yeah, you. yeah. So her name is not Valkyrie, right? That's the name of the. She's a Valkyrie. She's a Valkyrie, but then she's taken the name for some reason. We'll get to the comics. Okay. Piece anyway, of it. regardless. Yeah. So she's lost all her the people that she worked with and people that she loved, and that's what it seemed to me. And Hella killed them all, and she's gone off to just be a drunkard and to forget it all. There's a real heartbreak there that they completely just gloss over because they choose to have her be this like as pat puts it puts it fake badass yeah. to have her do this strut at the end of the movie to to go to comedy for some bits for her when thor gives her the outfit i found this in the armory like he had he had time to go to the armory to get a gun <laughs> after all this is happening at the end of the movie gives her the he's like i found this and that's like and there's like maybe like a half a second of like some kind of emotional connection but there is nothing else with her that um, again you gotta, you gotta make it. You gotta make it earn. You have to earn it. Yes. Go ahead. What are you gonna say? Uh, no, I was gonna because you mentioned that it felt like she lost somebody very close to her. Valkyrie was intended to be the first gay character, out gay character. Well, I thought she was. She thought, was, yeah. but they never show any real scenes for it, and that got fans ticked off because they they had you know promoted her that way. Tessa Thompson had talked her up. Marvel had talked her up and said, you know, we're finally getting more diversity in the in the MCU. You know, we have look at LGBT- us, guys. Yeah, we're doing right. Right. We got LGBTQ representation and then they just it's all implied. Right. Like it, You never see it because and I don't know if it's because if it's a Disney movie, if Marvel's fearful of, you know, international distribution. I don't know. But that became a, a big kind of right minor, but firestorm following the release of this one that. They should you have know. just gave her a girlfriend when they went to the planet. What, what is it? I, I always call the planet Cigar. But when they went to Cigar and like when they first see her and she's with in the yeah. hanging out, they just give her a girlfriend. Give her someone that she's with. That she's got. Why does it need to be some big deal? Like, just do that. It's okay, Marvel. It's, we, it's can handle it. we can handle it. We can handle it. We're okay with this. <laughs> uh, anyways. Yeah. But I, yeah, I agree my thing is that, that they don't do any kind of character development for her. So where I feel well, I want her to 
overcome. Like, think of it like this. Last time she was at Asgard, she lost everybody to Hela. And so she left. And then the first time that she meets an Asgardian, which is Thor, he tells her Odin's dead, Hela's back. And she has no emotion on her face. Yeah. She's just like, oh, well, you're all dead anyways. Like, this woman decimated everybody you loved and you at no point, like, you don't even turn, like, you don't even give him a brave face and then mm-hmm. we get a moment where you turn around and you're just clearly shook. Yeah. Nothing like that. And I'm sorry. She doesn't pack a bag. She doesn't get ready to move across nothing. another there's universe. No, yeah. Um, yeah, there's nothing. Like, say what you want about how long Endgame is and how long Infinity, like, all the Avengers movies and say what we will about a lot of things, but in... Captain America trilogy and the Iron Man trilogy and throughout there, there is real emotion at times. Mm-hmm. And that's why you care when Tony Stark dies in the end of Endgame. Apologies yeah. if you don't know that. Spoilers. Uh, spoiler. <laughs> Whatever. But there's no like I don't care about anything with to do with the Valkyrie character mm-hmm. in this movie to the point where at the end of the movie, and I talked to you a little bit about this, how great it was when Thor realizes he's not the God of hammers as his father so eloquently puts in the dream. Are you the God of hammers? Okay. And he's the God of thunder. But then he shoots lightning. Yeah, which I love. (laughs) I'm the God of thunder, but I can harness lightning. That doesn't make sense, Thor. You're the God of two. You're the God of cold air and hot air coming together in the the stratosphere. (laughs) How does that relate to electricity? But okay, it's fine. We're good. And he comes down, he jumps down, they got that. It's a, it's a nice, it's almost like a painting. It's a but it's nice a comic shot. book scene. It and it's great. The comic it's book. great. It's a great moment. And as great as that moment is when Thor jumps onto the rainbow bridge, <laughs> I know the Bifrost, and is going to fight all those dudes. It's complete. There's a complete 180 when Valkyrie decides to light off a firework and struts from this ship. Like, yeah, let's go. Where have you been for 20 minutes? And why is you, why are you important? <laughs> oh, frustrating. <laughs> I got nothing else. That's you're right about all of that. Um, the only thing I'd add is, I wish they didn't waste Carl, Carl Urban on this. He was great in the role. I loved him in the role. Because you like him, him in, in the boys. That's I love why him you, in the boys. I, I loved him in uh, Dread. It was he's, a great movie. He, Dread's a good movie, and he's I really like him as Bones in Star Trek. He's a he really good, good yeah, Bones. That was good. Yeah. yeah. So he's in um, Almost Human too. Was another good one. Oh, the TV show? show? The TV show. Yeah, I, I like that show. TV that was show. with um, who was the other guy? I can't. Uh, who cares? But yes, no, I liked. I liked that too. Yeah. So I like. I really like Carl Urban in a lot of things, and he was fantastic in this role, um, for what the role was. But now I wish that uh, Michael Ely. That's right. He was the That's character. Right. In no, it was a good show. Time. It was a good show. And of but, course, of course, it was on Fox. Yep. So therefore, Fox doesn't have any patience, and they delete and they cancel. I don't even know why. Places. By the way, I st- at some point I stopped watching Fox shows, even though like, oh, that looks good. I go, which is it on Fox? Yeah, it's going to be canceled. <laughs> yeah. Let me. Yeah. Let me know when it gets to yeah. season three. Yeah. And I'll check what, it out. They, they, they don't stick with anything. So, Except yeah. for Gotham. <sighs> yeah, whatever. Anyway, back Some to... Some metric there that I don't yeah. know about. That's back fine. to Carl Urban. Loved him in this role, but I wish we could get more of him in the in the MCU later on. Well, he's done now. Yeah. I know. So that's, that's, I just kept trying to figure out if that was hair that he had shaved into a little point on, on no, his head. No, it's or a that tattoo was, type is thing. Is it a tattoo? Because yeah. it's raised. I thought it was a tattoo. Uh, we don't need to dive into that. That's fine. All right, yeah. so let's get off the movie because uh, I can I can be here all <laughs> night. To get off the movie. All right, so I sent you obviously my stuff about the comics. Yep. Um, I I know you like to do a little brief intro about the. Do you want to do a brief intro well, about no, the I comic? Introduce most of the characters in previous movies, and right. we'll get to Valkyrie later on. You know, she's one of the newer characters. Well, tell me. Um, let's let's talk about where they got the storylines for this movie yes. from the comic world. So there were a handful of moments in this i'll save the ragnarok piece for last and and kind of cut to the the first two if you'll notice that the uh the gladiator event the grandmasters gladiator was called the contest of champions there was a marvel limited series it was actually marvel's first event series way back in the early 80s that saw the grandmaster face off with uh the living embodiment of death the character that thanos is in love with as we get to infinity war we'll, we'll touch more on that later but they, they pick a team of heroes and they, they are supposed to fight each other and face off against each other. And so they do. And, and the winner, you know, if Grandmaster's team wins, gets the life and the soul of the collector who's played by Benicio del Toro. So uh, and they're brothers, you know, they're, they're related through the Celestials and everything. So and in this series, in the MCU, they're brothers. So there's that nice connection there. But Thor and Hulk aren't in this series. In the, con- in the contest of champions in the contest of champions like they're in a brief scene early on when when you know they gather up all the heroes and then the grandmaster death pick their teams you know it's basically you know you're in the schoolyard at recess 
this is the fun fact, and this is why it was limited to certain characters. It was intended to be a tie-in and a celebration of the 1980 Summer Olympics. Okay. But it was shelved because the U.S. was protesting. The Olympics were set to be in Moscow. Right, right. And so the, the U.S. protested, so Marvel shelved the series, and they, they published it like two or three years later. And that's why you have characters, and they're brand new characters from Germany, Argentina, China, Ireland, because they were meant to be these global heroes coming together. Right. And that's so that was that was my fun fact on that one. <laughs> the character of the Grandmaster in the comic, he's the brother of the collector. Yeah. But not in this movie. No, right? in the movie he is. In the comic, he's part of the Celestials. Okay. Well, in the movie, about. it made it seem like he, they could, the, the, I mean, they might have just been the narrative that he wrote that mm-hmm. he was the first of them all and he landed on this garbage planet. I think he was the first of the people on Sakaar. So he lands on this garbage planet on his own. Thought so. All right. I don't know. This is the planet's a garbage planet, right? Like this, yeah. people would dump their trash. Yeah, and then there's scavengers. Are you food? Or never mind. <laughs> yeah, right. So food or fighter. What else is from uh, the um, comics in the this? The second movie? one is one we mentioned earlier is Planet Hulk. So Planet Hulk was the series from 2006 that saw Hulk crash land on Sakaar. So they use the same planet, and he gets captured and forced to fight in these gladiator games. So think Russell Crowe's Crow's Gladiator in space. Okay. Eventually, Hulk is freed. He leads a revolution, and he takes over and becomes the ruler of the planet. Okay. All the while, he you know falls in love. He marries a woman. He has twin children. Oh, hold on, hold on. Hulk or Banner? Hulk. He doesn't. Does he marry the, another Hulk? It's another alien. Yeah. Is it Hulk? Not is, really. Is that as big as Hulk? It's big enough. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Big. Big enough. <laughs> interesting, interesting, Pat. So this one kind of revitalized the Hulk series. He got launched into space, and it's different from he actively chose to go to space. Which we need to talk about, because I forgot to bring that up in the movie. How did he get there? Yeah. I don't know. Now, do you remember when we talked about this at the end of... Ultron. Ultron. They, there was a comment passed that they found his ship crash-landed somewhere. Yes. Do you remember like that? The, the Baltic Sea or something. Right. Yeah. So you remember that. That happened, right? Yeah. And yet, there's the ship on Sakaar. Yep. So exp- explain this. I can't explain that. I couldn't find it anywhere. Like nobody's. Ex- I, I. I mean, I don't want to think we breaking news here. No, we can't be. This, we can't be the only two people that have thought about this unless we're missing something. I don't know. The seven people that listen to this podcast, if you know, <laughs> you know what the heck is happening. You got to let us know, please, because I am at a loss. I have no idea how we're OK with this stuff. But anyways, go ahead. Find us on Instagram at yet another MCU podcast. How does Message Hulk us. get to Sakaar when we have found out in Ultron that the, sh- the plane that he was on was banded in the Baltic Sea? Explain that, please. Let's move on. <laughs> so in the comic version, the group called the Illuminati, and this is where you're going to lose it. <laughs> please. <laughs> really? This part? <laughs> this is where I'm going to lose it? So the Illuminati was all the smartest people that had representation from the X-Men, so Charles Xavier, from the Avengers, Iron Man, Fantastic Four, had Reed Richards, Namor the Submariner for Atlantis, I believe Black Panther was on there, Black Bolt. All this came together to kind of protect Earth. And they realized that Hulk was getting too strong and too crazy. They shot him into space <laughs> and they forced it to go through a warp hole and he ended up on Sakaar. Listen, from my experience of watching the A-Team, you just have to get him to drink some milk like they did with B.A. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So the end of Planet Hulk, after he, you know, rules the planet, the ship blows up and it kills his wife and kills half the city that he rules. And so he gets really angry again and he heads back to Earth in the series World War Hulk, where he he tries to destroy. Is that a is that a uh, it's another event event series? Yeah, that happened right. World War Hulk. Yep. Awesome. So this was Planet Hulk. That's where they get a lot of the gladiator piece of it. They get a lot of the Sakaar piece of it. You know, Hulk being this, you know, champion. What uh, about the Surtur stuff? And the- so, yeah. So Surtur, this is a, a new character for us here. Uh, he was first created by Stanley and Jack Kirby back in Journey in, into Mystery. And, and so he appeared like 15 issues after Thor first appeared. For, so he was one of those very, uh, those villains very early on in the process. And, and they so they steal pieces from... Norse mythology to, to you know boost up the, the Thor mythology. Same thing. He was imprisoned by Odin. And then it becomes a prophecy that he will be freed and he will bring Ragnarok and destroy Asgard. And so here we are. So similar to, to how we get it in, in the film here, 
during what they call the final Ragnarok, and I'll get to that in a second, Thor allows Surtur to, to storm Asgard and destroy what remains of it because, you know, needed to. Right. So he let that happen because it broke the cycle. And the reason there's a cycle, and this, this actually goes back to Norse mythology, is the gods of Asgard, the, the Norse gods, would die and then be resurrected and die again, and they'd go through the cycle over and over again. And Ragnarok is that cycle of death and rebirth. Man, we are we are dropping history, we are dropping <laughs> science, we are dropping mythology today. So Ragnarok in the comics is usually preceded by two events, and it's a long cold winter, similar to Game of Thrones, and then Loki causing the death of certain characters, one being Balder, who's a relative of Thor. Loki is is usually at the center of it, and you know, one of the prophecies of this Ragnarok spoke of him leading the charge against Odin and Thor, and that, you know, like I just said, Surtur would rise up and and level the remaining Asgard. As much as Surtur was created by Stanley and Jack Kirby, we also know from the Thor Dark World episode that Walt Simonson, who had a tremendous run on the Thor character, he really took a lot of these pieces, both from the real mythology and from what Stan and Jack had had kind of built up already, and you know, did a great job with it. So he was, you know, the writer behind a ton of these concepts. And a lot of the visuals that we get in this film, whether it's Surtur's or Fenris or even Scourge, comes from the Simonson era. You know, he did Ragnarok for a little bit. He did some of these storylines. But there was a six-part story in 2004 called Ragnarok. And this is the one where Thor gains what they call the Odin Force. The Odin Force being those yellow laser energy blasts that Odin has out of his staff okay. or the Destroyer has out of his face. And, you know, he he stops Ragnarok from happening. So he breaks the cycle. He doesn't allow it to happen. And this now ties back into our, I believe it was the Thor 1 episode that saw Asgard over Oklahoma. Oh, so right now. They, yeah, they planted Asgard. So he broke the cycle of this, and then they put Asgard, you know, away from the actual, you know, where it was. It's in Norway somewhere. Yeah, and the, yeah. in the Nine Realms, they moved it to, to Oklahoma. His uh, electricity bolts, is that Thor Force? Is that what that is? Or is that the same thing as Odin Force? That's what I, I have a Thor Force thing written down in my notes. I don't know what Thor Force maybe is. Maybe it's the same it, thing. Maybe it's, it could be the same thing. Right. Um, so in the comic, Loki is actually the father of Hela. Yes. And I don't know who Furnace the Wolf is. What is that? Tell me about it's that. The big wolf. Um, he's the father of the wolf too? Yeah, he's the father of the wolf. Hang on. I'm getting there. Explain that. I'm getting there. Ooh. Yeah, so there's a reason Kate Blanchett's character looks like Loki. Okay. And not like Odin or Thor. Because they pulled her straight from the comics where Loki was her father. Okay. And so the idea was that in a previous Ragnarok where, you know, some of the characters didn't get erased, Thor fathered Hela. And so I have it here. Um, Thor fathered No, I'm sorry. Loki, Loki followed Hela. And, and so it, it goes that, you know, Loki, you know, appointed her or, or trained her, fathered her. And then Odin appointed her goddess of death. Okay. And so again, she appeared really early on in the Thor run. You know, she worked with Loki to the face off against Thor, tempting him to go to Valhalla to go to death when he was weak. And then same thing with um with Fenris. He was the offspring of Loki and a giantess. I don't know why he's a wolf. Um <laughs> but I guess and he comes from like a, the Norse version of the Red Riding Hood myth. So he's the the wolf that, you know, hunts down red. Okay. Um, <laughs> Thor and Loki do have a sister, but it's a new sister. It, she wasn't an initial character in the, uh, the, the Kirby runs or the Simonson runs. She got introduced back in like 2014, 2015. Name was Angela. She was a character created by in the Spawn series by Neil Gaiman, who's the writer of uh, Good Omens. American Gods, all those things. And then Spawn was not a Marvel character. It's a, it's a different publishing imprint. Um, Vertigo, right? I think it was Image. Oh, man. I was yeah. trying to think. So close. I'm getting there. So close. Yeah, so I, somehow Marvel gained the rights to her. And she, you know, appeared, having said that she was initially kidnapped by a group of angel assassins. It's weird. I'm, yeah, not yeah, even gonna, yeah, yeah. I'm still on the fact that Loki had a wolf baby. So you're talking about it's weird. That's weird. <laughs> I don't know. What, well, Loki. I don't know how that happened. Maybe it was. A, and now you're saying this with a giantess. So did Loki make himself big? Like, like I don't know. What, did the, what, what was the comic like for that? Did they even show anything? 
I don't think so. I think it was like the dropping acid when they did this. It was the seventies. Uh, yeah. <laughs> then yes, they were they were doing a lot of stuff. Yeah. All right. Woo. All right. <laughs> okay. I, I will say this though. I do like Kate Blanchett as Hella. I like Kate Blanchett. We had more of her, regardless. She's a great actress. Yeah. Yes. Agreed. But they just don't use her enough yeah. at all. All right. So in the Civil War comic, and we talk about this in our Civil War episode, there's a Thor clone that's called Ragnarok. Is yes. that just a happy accident? Or no, I mean, it was specifically named Ragnarok by, by Reed Richards why? and Tony Stark. They know about the Thor Ragnarok legacy? Yes. Okay, yeah, they do. And, uh, and they were, so the Thor Ragnarok stuff happened, the, the 2004 series, Iron Man and Captain America were involved in it. So they know about this, this cycle of it. And Thor has, you know, appeared and, and, you know, died and come back to life several times. So they know about the cycle. So yes, this was a, this was specifically titled Ragnarok. Okay. This wasn't an Easter egg. That was a that was a moment where they said, okay, he's going to be our Thor, almost like a backup plan, depending on what happens, you know, wherever the real Thor is. Okay. Um, so yeah. All right. Uh, so back to Hella real quick. Yep. You talked about Thor's sister Angela, and, and you know, you said that Hella, the reason why she looks like Loki is because that's what she looked like in the comic. But they also based her on the Thor's sister that you talked about, which I assume they just used. Hey, she's a sister. That's basically, what, yeah. 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 And then maybe Gore. it makes it more. I mean, so this is part of this is the moment where I think they realized how many fans Tom Hiddleston Loki had. Okay. And there was a there was a thing back when this came out on the Marvel website. You could go and like read bios for the characters and everything. And it changed his from villain to antihero. Do you think that they were pivoting him that way because they wanted you to feel bad to what happens to him in Infinity War? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I'm right here, brother. All right, anyways. Uh, well, let me say this about Loki. I do not like his outfit in this movie. It's very Batman Forever-ish. Very pleathery. Yes, yeah, very, very just kind of like, oh, this is your cool your cool hero here. This is your new outfit. What? Well, well, Thor gets a great look. He has a great look, but he, you know, that that's something that he has to put together as the show, as the movie goes yeah. on. Loki, like, chose to wear that. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, anyways, even, even Hela's look is good. Yeah. She's also based on Gore the God Butcher. Is that accurate or is that just a bad note? That I, I don't read? know that at all. You don't know who Gore the God Butcher is? I don't know who Gore the God Butcher Pat, is. Pat, you know how, do you know how this show works? <laughs> <laughs> well, then I guess we'll just skip over that. Because so. Pat, Pat's just choosing not to look up stuff for comics for you people. All right. The I didn't see that note when you sent it. I must have missed it. You tell me every week to send you an email with all my I have notes. all your other and, notes. And you're not even looking at it. All right. Anyways, the Revengers, Pat. Okay, the Revengers. Who are the Revengers in the comics? Oh, this is such a stupid reference. <laughs> this is such a stupid reference. So the Revengers were a couple of different teams. First, they, there's a uh, we go back to the various universes of the Marvel comics. In Marvel Comics 2, MC2 universe. Um, there's a team of supervillains, and then there's also a parody universe. So 665 was a parody universe, and they, they are in there, and they are um, you know, basically a play on the Avengers. And then there's the version from Earth uh, 616, so the main uh, Marvel universe. So they first appeared in New Avengers Annual a while ago, and they have nothing to do <laughs> with this team. They have nothing to do with this. You know, this is just a rebranding. And the reason it's a rebranding is because the name Defenders is already taken by the Netflix series. Most of the players you see on the Revengers, I say in air quotes over here, <laughs> are on the Defenders. Hulk, Doctor Strange, Silver Surfer, Valkyrie, Namor. Those are the Defenders. Yeah. What are you revenging? What, yeah. what does that even mean? I'm disbanding the Revengers. Are you defending Sakaar? Yes. It yeah. probably should have just been Defenders and you should have just given up on the Netflix series. Why right couldn't they just there. use the name? Was it going to get sued? No, they owned both of the names. I think it was just going to confuse people, but right. they weren't. So this is stupid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You already talked about uh, the Walter Simonson Thor comic story. So I'm not going to even bother talking about how Loki was Odin in that. Yeah, yeah. So. I couldn't find the exact issue, but it happened a couple of times. Where right. Would, you know. And you talked about some of the comic events. You, you talked about Siege, right? You you did mention that about the same fate. Asgard had the same fate. We talked about all that. I That's think we talked about Siege did. in a previous episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, This is back when yeah. Norman Osborn had taken over S.H.I.E.L.D. after Civil War. Right. Turned it into Hammer. Mm -hmm. And they uh, he invaded Asgard. Okay. He, he 
basically pull the same thing. Absolutely no sense. Yeah. But, yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but this this got uh, some of the Avengers back together. It, it does have a moment very similar to how Civil War the comic kicks off, and it it's uh, Volstag, one of the Warriors Three, who just dies off unceremoniously in this movie. Yeah, two of um, them they kill off like that causes a uh, causing an explosion in a football field, and it sets off this this chain of events that forces Osborn to to invade, and and so Thor and, and yeah. the Avengers have to have to hold him off. <laughs> okay the reference of loki turning thor into a frog was from the comic is yep. that even like any is that even remotely worthy of us to talk it about it is actually okay go ahead yeah so it is uh and there's a couple good uh there was a good hollywood reporter article on this that dove into it a little bit more so if you're interested in reading more but yeah so simonson's run he has loki turn thor into a frog and and so Thog- Thro- frog thor frog thor uh possessed the strength of many frogs <sighs> And so he used it and there was this whole like analogy between what's going on in Thor's like real day to day with <laughs> him versus Loki when he's leading a fight against Central Park rats. So it sounds stupid and it sounds absurd, but it's actually really yeah, good. You're right. <laughs> Just go check it out. It's in Thor number 363. <laughs> this isn't the recommended section right now. Yeah. You, can, you put that. You can put it there. I think I did. <laughs> 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 but yes he turns into the frog of you know this, this he gains his hammer back and so when frog thor gains his hammer he then is becomes it, thor it's, frog is and it he's like small a, is it a small tiny hammer no it's a big regular size so there's stick. a small frog yes holding this giant hammer no no he touches it and he grabs it and he wheels the power of thor and then he turns into a man-sized frog shaped like thor and then eventually it wears uh, off god so I'm moving <laughs> please don't put that in a movie <laughs> all right so i'm gonna go through, i wouldn't put it past taiko watiti i want to put up i want to put some talk about some characters that where they appear and then if you want to talk about them you can yeah if you don't that's fine too Korg makes his day de- made his debut in the 1952 journey into mystery number 83 valkyrie first appeared in the avengers volume one number 83 and then scan and then i want to Sk- talk about yeah, you go back. I'm first. just doing all okay. three. Yep. Scourge, you can do whatever you want. I'm just going through them. Scourge's <laughs> last stand, which you mentioned already, is from Thor number 362. Yes. Pat, talk about what you want to talk about. We talked about the Korg piece already. He was on the cover. He was the cover villain. The Stone yeah. Men from Saturn were the cover villain in Thor's original comics. So we won't spend too much time on that and one. And he's a member of the race in Thor the Dark World when he's yes, fighting him. Right. The, yeah. the Stone Men yeah. that, that we see in the cold. That we, we talked already about. Yeah. yeah. So we're not going to spend too much time on them. Uh, Valkyrie was introduced, like you said, in Avengers number 83 by Roy Thomas and, and John Buscema. She becomes a part of the Defenders team, as I mentioned. This version of Valkyrie was known as, uh, she had a name. She just happened to go by. She was a Valkyrie, but her name was Brunhilde. Is that? <laughs> <laughs> she looked exactly like that. You, the picture that you all had. In awesome. Your head. I, didn't, I didn't expect that. So <laughs> is that her name in this? Is her name no, supposed to I, be that in this movie? No, I think she's just Valkyrie in this movie. She can't take the name of it. That's not that. I want to know her real name. Somebody's got to know her real name. There's somebody, there's a board at the MCU off. Where's the Marvel creative committee? What's her real name? <laughs> I don't know. Okay, go ahead. She looks exactly like Brunhilde looks exactly like what you imagine. Blonde, pigtailed, armored, Norwegian, you know, Viking woman. Then she, so there's there's a similar moment in the War of the Realms series, which we talked about in Thor the Dark World, where the War of the Realms had Malekith, you know, invading, trying to take over Asgard, where her troop of Valkyrie warriors was slaughtered by Malekith. And so that is, you know, where some of this pulls from, though I think War of the Realms happened after Thor Ragnarok, so could be wrong in that. It wasn't until 2018 when Marvel relaunched the character with a de- design, characterization, swagger of the Tessa Thompson version, and she was known as, as Valkyrie. Mm-hmm. So the one, in the, MC, the one in the comics now is very similar to the, the version that we get in this movie, and this is similar to what we saw with Yondu. Right, where he was redesigned to look like Michael Rooker. Right, the so the Valkyries. Yes, uh, what are they exactly? They're this. Are they like the Green Berets kind of thing? Kind of, yeah. So they can be trained. Odin's Green Berets. So they can be trained, right? They're not like some touched by God to be the Valkyries, right? They're not like so. Okay, so the highest fighting force. My question is this: You don't make any. You don't have any more. So once they all died, you were just like, eh, no more Valkyries. Exactly. I don't know. Exactly. If they're a, if they're a part of the four, I, I, 
All right. Anyways, I don't know. That's and, all I got for comic stuff from yeah, me. Yeah, I'll give you just Scourge real quick. I, I'll just say the scene, the last stand scene that we see him jumping from the ship. Where he's jumping yeah. from the ship with the M16s. That's straight out of the comics. Okay. Including the M16s. And so when he, he he's not jumping out of the ship, but he's holding off the bridge as Thor and other as guardians um, look to to get away from an invading force. And it, he's he's defending against Hela's army. Right. And so one of the the Asgardians hands him crates of M16s and says, have, have at it. And he doesn't name them like he does in this movie, right? He doesn't uh, name them Des and Troy. No, I don't think okay. so. Right. Well, I'll get to why I asked that. No, but the scene where he's dual fisting the, the machine guns is... Dual fisting? It's a, uh, it's a term. Call of Duty. It's call, a term. Call, call uh, I don't, I'm, a, I'm an adult. <laughs> I haven't bought a Call of Duty in like seven <laughs> years. But this podcast can be sponsored by Call of Duty. You're just throwing out the... Uh, the sponsorship request. All right. The reason why I asked that is because the one note, we'll talk about this movie and it's in the role of yeah. the MCU, but I, I, it's not a lot. So we'll probably just talk about the movie again. Uh, <laughs> what, what TD says that this movie, uh, that 80% of this film is improvised. It feels that way. Yes. Agreed. Uh, like, agreed. I know that Iron Man one was mostly improvised too, but it doesn't feel that way. No. And that's what happens when you have... I, I'm not a fan of Taika Waititi. And, and our, our listeners can't see this, but I think there's a spectrum. Like on the far left side, let's say, is like the more serious directors. So you have Ryan Coogler, you have John Favreau, maybe you have Joss Whedon over there with Russo somewhere in the middle. Then on the other side, you have James Gunn and Taika Waititi. You don't like Gunn at all? He's better than Waititi. I think Waititi's so far to the, the other side that he doesn't know how to tell a story. Well, I think that's... I, I, I think it's not about... I would say I would agree with you. It's not really what you're referencing is not about directing style. It's more about storytelling. Yes. I agree with you there. Yeah. yeah. And he, I think, yeah, I think the other two rely more on, and again, you brought two, it up. I haven't seen Jojo rabbit. I was just going to say, to be phenomenal. fair, you have not seen I heard all his movies. Yeah. yeah. But you have, you seen the one, the vampire one, what we yes. do in the shadows. Yeah. That's funny. It's funny, but it's, it's not, funny. it's, but it's not a, it's not like a big, like you wouldn't watch that movie because, Oh my God, the storytelling is right. amazing. It's just funny. It's, 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 it's a mockumentary. Type. You yeah. put it on TV, yes. you do something else yes. with it in the background. Yes. And so like, I think, you know, they rely too much on jokes yeah. to get the characterization over yeah. versus the other guys who, you know, I think, you know, and we'll talk about black Panther next month and, and Ryan Coogler, who is a fantastic storyteller mm -hmm. and he can insert jokes where they, where they fit. Yeah. But he doesn't rely on them to get, the story should story. always be first. Yeah. The story should always be first. Unless you're making a comedy and you want to, you, you know, you should have story first. You should have story first. You know what? You're right. I take, I take the back. Story should always, always be first and then know what type of story you're telling and then what fits in. You know, I've been on countless times where I've been shooting something and someone would be like, oh, you know, it'd be funny if I did this. And I would be like, well, we're not doing that. Yeah. Like, you know, like it's like, I get it. It's funny, but like, that's not the movie. It's, it doesn't fit. Right. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, absolutely 100% story should be first. And for some reason, it's not sometimes. And that's fine. Mm -hmm. That's just how certain people direct. Um, Watiti also said that he felt this movie would reinvent the franchise. I don't know. what. How many more Thor movies do I need? You're going to get at least one more. Yep. You really think that Natalie Portman is going to keep going? No. No. Come on. No. She's, this is it. This is the movie. So now am I to assume that Hemsworth dies in this movie if she's the new Thor? I don't know. Maybe there's a new. Does Mjolnir get? Because she wields the mighty Thor. Wields, but she becomes. But I've Mjolnir. been told that she becomes Thor. Yeah, she becomes the mighty Thor. That's so. That's then he should be dead, right? Well, he became unworthy, and that's when. When she, did he become unworthy? In the comics, when she became the mighty Thor, he was unworthy. I, I'm talking about in the MCU. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Like, when is he unworthy? I, I guess the the beginning of or the the middle part of Thor one. No, 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 no. Like, no, I'm just like, saying, like, uh, I don't know now. I'm, I can't give you an answer right. now. Okay. Uh, he's got to be dead. And, but so the other, but the biggest, my biggest MCU note is that this movie is supposed to take place during the events of Captain America Civil War, which is to explain why they're not there, I guess. Right? Yeah. Okay. Is that shape well, up? I don't know if that's necessarily the case because you have, uh, and maybe this is where the time, timeline gets a little screwy. This leads directly into Infinity War. Like the last shot of them is them getting is, picked is the up. The teaser is them getting picked up by Thanos. You're ship. right. You're right. And so, well, when does so the, the next movie is Black Panther? When is that supposed to take place? Right um, after it's supposed to take, probably takes place concurrent with this because they have the Winter Soldier. Correct. 
So yeah. the, it's a, so Black Panther and this movie take place concurrently. Should take well, they should both. They should yeah. They might yeah. they might overlap right, but they should take place at the same time. Basically, yeah. And then after then after that, you have what's next after Black Panther? Infinity War, right? Am I wrong? Yes. No. It's, it's so then that War. makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I mean, I guess the the timeline gets a little. I'm trying to think if if uh, and we'll see it next week if Black Widow is in that teaser at the end of Black Panther when they leave Bucky in Wakanda. Because I think if she is, she probably still has the red hair. And at what point does she die? It and the Secret Avengers group goes on the run. Right. So I, I don't know. This there's not a lot of connections with this, this movie affecting think, anything in the MCU. No, I think the timeline is so. This movie opens up with Thor saying he went looking for the Infinity Stones, despite the fact that four of them are on Earth. Yeah. I, I well, so no, they first hear about them, don't they? In in Age of Ultron. Yes. And so in this one, so Age of Ultron, he leaves. We He's don't gone. see him again until this movie. Right. He says to Surtur in his weird yes. you know, monologue yeah. that I went looking for the Infinity Stones, which, by the way, do the joke once where he's spinning around. Yeah. That was, yep. You know, that's another example yep. of, of them overusing it. But they, he says he went looking for them and he, he, he couldn't find them and he ended up in Surtur. So I think during the events of Civil War, that's when he's looking for the infinity stones. Right. And we, yeah. So we're led to believe that between infinity war, uh, Spider-Man homecoming, cause that takes place a couple months after civil war. We know that from Peter's text messages and, right. and all that stuff that he had spent that time looking for the stones. Right. And so for the, I don't know, six months, year or so that, you know, Hulk's on Sakaar, that's when he's becoming this champion and that's, you know, he, he yeah. amasses this, this following. We haven't even talked about how Dr. Strange is in this movie. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Dr. Strange is in this movie. I mean, why to just connect it? I guess so. And yeah. I'm worried that after seeing this and hearing all the rumors about the Dr. Strange movie, the Spider-Man movie, which we touched on last episode, that they're going to make him the connective leader of the next phase of films. And it's just like, we don't need him. Well, they need that. Yeah. Well, agreed. I, I honestly, you need to, you need to seriously consider bringing the fantastic four back yeah. within this MCU because you've lost, you've already lost Stark mm-hmm. and granted, we all know he's coming back in the, if they're, if I've already read that Tobey Maguire, if you've, I, I'm sure he's already announced that he's coming back. It's so, which oh, I like Spider-Man, the Raimi trilogy. I know Spider-Man three is terrible, but I gotta I, tell you, but I gotta tell you, you shave 15, 20 minutes off Spider-Man three. It's not that bad. I agree. It's actually not that bad. I agree. Uh, so I like Raimi. It's Raimi Spider-Man. So him doing Doctor Strange is a I plus. Lo- I like, but I really hope that they just back off and let him do Doctor Strange. Yes. Don't you don't need to micromanage Sam Raimi. No. You don't. Just don't. Just don't touch him. Do- guy's been doing this for thirty yeah. years. He and knows like, what he's doing. And I would love if like they came to him. And he's like, yeah, I'll do it, but uh, I'm doing it, and yeah. you can go sit on the sideline. And not watch like me- the other guy you kicked off, right? And watch me make a good movie because he'll do it. He'll do it well. But then, but here's the thing: like that tone of that movie of Strange is going to be so different than the tone of the first Strange. Well, the more that we see Strange in the other MCU movies, whether it was this scene in Thor Ragnarok, we see him in Infinity War, his tone and characterization gets it, it changes, but it gets better. Yeah. He was a, that that flat out jerk, and he was mean. Yes, in his movie. Yes, and then we see him in this, and he's you know he's got a little bit more he's sarcastic. He's got, he's got less of an edge to him, right? But it's, it's right. A, it's a sarcasm that fits his character, and then we see him again in Infinity War, and the same thing. It's it's softening those edges, but in a way that makes sense to yeah, who he and is. it's tough too because he knows what's going to happen, so it's right. kind of like he's working with uh, that knowledge of uh, Tony's going to die and yeah. I, and I can't tell him that but that's yeah. the only way this is going to work right so I, I get that 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 makes sense but like I said before this movie is the only movie that it's just it's in the MCU but other than characters being in the movie and references to certain things it does ha- it has no effect on anything else moving no. forward no, no effect on anything no i mean if you cut out the line i went looking for the infinity stones you don't need to see Right. Any other movie to watch this movie. You can make a case that the beginning of Smart Hulk is in this in this movie because yes. he he was Hulk for two years and he has to rectify that. Mm-hmm. He has to come to grips with the fact that they have to coexist. I mean, I am doing a deep dive into that, like looking at that's me looking into mm-hmm. it. I'm not going to necessarily tell you that that was their intent, but you can make a case for that. Yes. And then the, we, the next time we see him, aside from the opening of Infinity War, 
he has trouble getting back to that that Hulk mode again. So right. he's he's in this constant struggle. But th- this is the problem, and we've talked about it several times now. A lot of the Hulk storyline happens in somebody else's movie. Oh, of course, he's never going to have his own no. film. We've already talked about that, and I absolutely hate him in. And Infinity War. I hate it. Oh, yeah. Because I'm just like, just hold. He's like, yeah. And he's in that stupid suit. And I'm just, <laughs> he's in the, I'm like, oh, oh. yeah, that stinks. That, that's so, it's just so uninteresting. Yeah. But whatever. Anyway. Hela is the first f- female villain in the MCU. Tell me I'm wrong. Oh, you're right. Scarlet Witch doesn't count. No, Scarlet Witch. No. So it's, it's Jeff Bridges. It's Tim Roth. It's, you're gonna uh, go Mickey all Rourke. Of them, aren't you? Yeah, I'm gonna go through all of them. It's it's Jeff Bridges, it's Tim Roth, it's Mickey Rourke, it's um uh, Loki, it's Loki, it's um then it's yeah, it's Red Skull, it's Hugo Weaving, it's Loki again in the Shatari, it's uh Guy Pierce in the Mandarin, which I guess maybe you could kind of make now Rebecca, no, whatever you, her face you, is. No, you can't count. Um then it's Bucky, the Winter Soldier, and Hydra. <sighs> Then it's Malekith and the Dark Elves, Ant-Man, and and well, we have Ultron, and then we have Yellow Jacket, then we have Civil War. Yeah. This, yeah. yeah. So she's the first, she's female, the first villain. female villain. Is she the only, though? Because I don't, moving forward, there's not... Uh, you got Killmonger after this. Yep. You have all the Thanos stuff, so yep. there's no villains there. And then in, um, in Captain Marvel... You have Jude Law, and then in Spider Man, yeah. you have Mysterio. So yeah, yeah, yeah. She's it. What's up with that? <laughs> Come on, Marvel. Where's your representation? I, uh, <laughs> I mean, and quite honestly, you never see Hella die. You just see her disappear. Yeah. So like, like, uh, like we all we want. Like, like I will be first in line. Pat, I will call you, and I will tell you that I am watching this movie. Well, hopefully I'll be. I won't probably. I probably won't be at the theater at this point. But that you know, when Justin Hammer comes back, you know, we yeah, we'll, we will we'll be. be the first ones there because we love Justin Hammer. We'll do yet another MCU watch party wherever that is. <laughs> yeah, you Disney are all Plus. invited. Clearly, it's going to be on Disney. Plus. We can do the Disney Plus watch piece. <laughs> and uh, but yeah, so actually, like, we should do that. Now but, that I say that for when we would do Endgame, and we should we should set that up. So pay attention. You know, maybe we'll try to do a watch party for Endgame or. or um, yeah. You know, do something on Disney yeah, Plus. That's fine. Um, now that we say that out loud. But yes, we'll be first in line for Justin uh, Hammer. But yeah, like, can we get another female villain? I mean, yeah, I mean, you can't really count Annette Benning and Captain Marvel because she's a projection, yeah. right? So that doesn't and count he, either. She fights Jude Law. Yeah. Uh, and then we know in Black Widow it's going to be Taskmaster. What is the other? I know they announced all the movies. The Eternals. Then, I don't know what that is. In terms of the villain. Yeah, I, don't I know what the Eternals are. I know I've been learned. I've learned yeah. that. No, there's yeah. nothing. I, I can't think of. I'm trying to think. And then you got Doctor Strange. I, I guess in WandaVision, we're expected to have Agatha, Agatha Harkness. <laughs> That's not a movie, though. I'm not counting that. There is nothing connecting this, really, to, to much of the rest of the MCU. Yeah. Uh, I do feel bad that all of the Warriors 3 get unceremoniously just killed off in the beginning. Thor's best friends and just, there they go. They don't put yeah. up a... St- you know what that scene reminded me of? Um the the scene in uh, Revenge of the Sith when Mace Windu brings his like the the squad of Jedi to take on Palpatine and like four of the five of them get killed off. I know Jedi are weak in that movie. Yeah. Oh, anyway, the younglings. Okay, so uh, so I, I think that's I think we're gonna wrap it up. I'm going to leave. Um, next week we'll be back and we'll be talking about Black Panther, which uh, I am a big fan of. I'm and I'm actually I gotta tell you I I only want I watched in the theater and I've seen parts of it, mm-hmm. but uh, I haven't seen it since. So I'm kind of hoping it holds up. I watched it. Um, I watched it a couple months ago, but I remember really liking it. Yeah, it, with the it, exception of the fight scene at the end, because it's really digital and it's really off off putting. Yeah, um, I like the idea of them fighting between like the trains. It's cool. Yeah, but I just it, it got a little too CG for yep. me at some point. But that's just that's me being yeah, technical. We'll, we'll pick on it next time. But cool there's not pick much. On it. <laughs> no, I mean, there's not much to pick on. I guess right. that's that's. The but yeah, that's scene, next but, week. We're talking, um, that's going to wrap up our. See our phase three. Oh, a phase three part, part one. Part one, right? Sorry. Yep. So I don't know why I'm jumping forward. But anyways, next week's Black Panther. And then uh right now I will leave you. Pat's got some recommended reading, and I swear to God, if it's the frog one, I'm not gonna like that. But anyways, Pat, take it away. As always, at the end of each episode, we like to send you home with some recommended reading that follows up on some of the characters and plots presented in this week's film. Our recommended reading section is sponsored by Infinite Heroes, comics, cards, and collectibles in Watertown, Connecticut. 
if you're in the Connecticut or New England area, it's a great location to pick up comics from Marvel as well as DC, Image, and more. They also have a large collection of trading cards, toys, and collectibles. Owner Paul Santos has worked in comics for years, most recently as an editor at DC Comics. Ask him for a recommendation and tell him we sent you. All right, so first up on recommended reading for Thor Ragnarok is Planet Hulk. The green giant pulls a Russell Crowe and becomes a revolutionary gladiator. You're not getting a standalone Planet Hulk movie. This was it. So if you want more of it, check out Greg Pak and Carlos. Pagulia's epic run as Hulk gets stranded in space, becomes a gladiator, and finally king of Sakaar. Uh, next, we have Loki, Agent of Asgard by Al Ewing and art by Lee Garbett. If you've fallen in love with Tom Hiddleston's character, then this is the series for you. Loki is on the road to redemption as he performs missions for the All-Mother to save his soul. And then finally, we have Thor Visionaries, Walt Simonson, Volume 2. I believe the Thor frog story is in this one. Uh, we already gave you Volume 1 um, in our previous recommended reading segments. In Volume 2, Simonson expands on his Asgardian mythology and unleashes Ragnarok upon Asgard. Also, we get that horse face Thor himself, Beta Ray Bill, and as I mentioned, probably Frog Thor. But uh, thanks for listening. Enjoy your reading. Remember to please rate, review, and subscribe, and we will see you next time.